Tang Lee, welcome to Beyond the Fight. How are you tonight? Doing great. How about yourself, man? I'm awesome. Thank you for taking the time to come on. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, our mutual friend, David Moon, for making this happen, who uh, put me in touch with you. He showed me some of your highlights. And I just said to myself, I have to get this guy on. This is one guy that I want to like speak to, pick his brain, and hear from him what it's like to fight overseas in Asia's largest MMA promotion. Oh, that's awesome, man. I, uh, it was awesome to train with him up at TriStar and... Uh... Yeah, it's uh, I don't know why you want to hear from me, but uh, whatever you want to hear, I'll, I'll give you the info. <laughs> awesome. So I'm a huge uh, traditional martial arts fan. Uh, you're a fifth Dan in Taekwondo, which I definitely respect. You know, that's like being a general in the army. And I'm a green belt in Kyokushin style karate. So I'm two away from black, but I have respect for anyone who does any style of karate or Taekwondo because it falls under the K1 umbrella. So what got you into martial arts to begin with? So really, I didn't have a choice. I mean, my dad's done martial arts ever since he was a kid. And um, he trained over and taught over in Vietnam for the state uh, when he was growing up. So pretty much his uh, young adult life was teaching Taekwondo and playing soccer and I guess hanging out on his free time with his friends. So that was like his job. And he was uh, he did took soccer pretty seriously, so played that for a while, and then uh, came over to the U.S. and then uh, ended up joining a school and owning a school and teaching at a school and all this good stuff. So uh, when I was born, pretty much followed that path, and you know, went to class, watched him do things when I was old enough to participate, joined in, you know, had a lot of fun, had friends in the gym, like my whole childhood is really spending time at. Uh, Moon College Taekwondo here in Metairie and um, even though we're at a different building now I uh, it's really cool because uh, my whole childhood memories pretty much take place there it's like tournaments traveling for tournaments driving and caravanning with a bunch of families to go to tournaments in Florida and Texas and Vegas and all this stuff so it was really cool man and um, that was kind of like my growth pattern through Taekwondo and how I kind of progressed through like uh you know with my family and built my whole circle around martial arts and my friends and family circle kind of is still in martial arts you know what I mean exactly it's really amazing what the community that you see in all forms of martial arts and um the bonds you form that are lifelong is sometimes people you think that you just meet from one class they become lifelong friends and uh, and that's what I like about it. Now, you said your dad was from Vietnam. He was born in North or South Vietnam, if you don't mind me asking. Uh, he was born in South uh, Vietnam. So he was uh, from Saigon. Okay. Uh, it's uh, Ho Chi Minh City. Okay. So he was responsible for uh, being in the Arvin, right? The Army of the Vietnam Republic back then, if I'm not mistaken. Or this was after, like, the whole uh, Vietnam War. No, no. It was before. So, uh and then that's why he came to the States. He was sponsored by uh, a family, you know, a family members uh, and her husband and brought him and his mom and his sister over um, to the U.S. so he, they could escape the, the war. Exactly. Well, I mean, look at how that opportunity turned out. Like in the end, like you were able to be born in uh, one of the most probably the most prosperous country in the world. And it launched your journey into starting taekwondo and then you went into bjj and and what was that after you became a fifth dan or was that uh during like you're still in your taekwondo phase 
Yeah, so so I did Taekwondo all the way up into an adult. Um, mm-hmm. You know, did growing up, all that good stuff. And then um, I would say got away from it, but definitely was involved a little less uh, into Taekwondo. And, um, you know, had a, I was married at the time, had a son, you know, had a decent job. I was making, you know, relatively good money for, for where I was in my life. And, uh, honestly, we just, a friend of mine, my dad, myself, my brother, uh, we all went to some local MMA fights, just watched some amateur fights, watched some pro fights. And, you know, me and my friend kind of looked at each other and was like, man, this is really cool. It reminds us of some of the Taekwondo stuff that we did. But obviously, this is way more involved. I would love to kind of play around with this stuff. I had no idea where my future was going to take me. I was just saw some cool fights and I was like, man, I'd like to try this, you know, like, fuck it, who cares? Just let's go out there and have fun, get beat up maybe, you know. Um, We ended up zero training other than Taekwondo and uh, took, signed up for a fight, local amateur fights, and finally stepped into an MMA gym and opened our eyes to boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, jujitsu, all of MMA besides kicking. <laughs> it was insane. It was, it was nuts that we took a fight on basically nothing <laughs> on a whim. But, you know, I train guys now and I got a buddy of mine who's basically like a brother to me. He's uh, Evan Freeman, who, you know, we trained. I trained him for years before we put him in his first amateur fight. So it's kind of kind of crazy how that has uh played out and how I wouldn't want other people to follow that same road because it's, it wasn't too smart. You know what I mean? Exactly. It, it rings to a similar bell that uh, Matt Brown said where he uh, on Joe Rogan, where he spoke about how he had his first amateur fight where they just threw him in there and they just like, he just said, Oh yeah, it's for some money. All you got to do is like kind of lose. But then he ended up knocking out the opponent and winning even double. So it's, and, and, and that's in the, that's in the the bygone era. Now it's like the new era where you kind of have to have experience in some forms of martial arts, right? Right. And I, honestly, I I didn't know what kind of trouble I really could really get into. You know, like now that I'm a pro and I've been doing this for a while, and you know, you you know what dangers can can lie ahead. You're like, man, that was pretty stupid. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Um, what was your why, like to go pro? What made you? What was your why to become a pro fighter, and you know, leaving everything behind to build this new legacy in your life? I think that part of my story is is pretty typical. Uh, you know, ac- all across MMA fighters in general is you do the sport, you practice these different arts, you find your your own magical way to mix those things together and make them unique for you, and then you fall in love with it. Like it's every single day you're training and something new is discovered. You're unlocking new doors. You're like blowing your own mind with looking up this YouTube video and this Ryan Hall DVD instructional and all this stuff, man. And it's, it's every day is like a, 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 uh, like it blows your mind that, that new things can come to light that, that often. That's why I love martial arts. And I kind of fell in love with the MMA game. And I was like, man, I'm, you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at this. I honestly, I love this stuff. I could really see myself just like doing this for the rest of my life. Like I, not that I didn't, um, you know, enjoy parts of my other jobs. I had 
Like uh, I was a store manager for a Verizon uh, wireless location. Uh, shout out VCW. Uh, I was a uh, banker at Chase Bank. Shout out Chase <laughs> and all my banker friends. But, you know, those are kind of like safe jobs. You know what I mean? And, you know, retail is relatively exciting and cool and, and stuff like that. And sales is cool. But, you know, martial arts, I love. That is, you know, people talk about finding passion in life and it's very cool. You see all these memes and stuff. But really, that's a that's a real thing, man. You find something you you can't stop thinking about you find something that is super fun and oh yeah i'm kind of good at it so i can make some money and and really build a future for myself and my family like damn why wouldn't i do this shit exactly and i mean you've you kind of it seems like you had the pieces put into place well you knew what how to get there and you know you're still doing it which is amazing at uh at uh, how old are you now are you david's age at uh 29 30 or you're uh 30 in your early 30s I am 34. I'm getting old, man. You're still in your prime. You still have a nice window left. So oh, definitely, man. I'll be fighting until the way the you know the way we try to take as little damage as possible. Hopefully, we keep that streak up. That's amazing. So, um, you had a pretty interesting journey. So you're fighting in one FC right now. It's amazing. Like I've been I've been watching some of your fights. Like I was ro- watching your fight versus. Uh, Takahashi. I even watched some of your Dana White contender series knockouts. Still doesn't. It still boggles my mind how you didn't get signed by the UFC. But as I told you in uh, our in our texting, that this uh, name of this episode is called Boundless Opportunities because I feel your story can really impact an up and coming fighter or a current pro fighter that feels stuck when doors are closing, but then they find that door that opens and like where they can really own their craft. So. What was it like trying out for the UFC uh, when you were really trying to establish yourself? So um, I kind of hit that that little weight parts. You know, I was on the uh, the Ultimate Fighter, um, made it into. Oh, well, I made it to be able to fight to get on the show, and I ended up winning that fight. Um, and it was quite, you know, kind of cool to have Conor McGregor out there talking about me a little bit, Faber out there talking about me a little bit, Dana White showing that. He was impressed and all this good stuff. So that was kind of cool, you know. Um, but really the the cool thing was the relationships that I built from those experiences and the people that I met and really being able to test yourself against what's considered the highest level of martial arts is, is one of the one of the big, you know, three promotions that that are out there, you know. Um, so it was really cool to be able to go on the show for the Ultimate Fighter. It was really cool to be able to go on the show for Dana White's Contender Series. And, and, you know, on my entry fight to get into the house for the ultimate fighter, that one went well, ended up winning the fight, knocking the guy out uh, for the contender series, ended up getting a second round knockout and, and the fight played out for the most part, how I wanted it to. So, um, yeah, the, the experience was great. Getting the exposure was great, obviously, um, but really testing yourself against quality, high level opponents, because that, that that's the only reason after you turn pro and you decide that you're going to do this with your life, that's really the only reason, the only reason you, you want to do this. You make a living for yourself, obviously, which is a great component of that. Um, but you do this to test yourself. Like I think I am and can be the best fighter in the entire world at my, my weight division. So I want to go and fight the guys that are considered the best guys in the world. So I can figure that out. I want to know for myself, and, you know, and, and be able to test yourself against the top level guys. And that's really cool to be able to do that. And that the ultimate fighter was my first 
experience like trying to do something like that. The contender series was the next step, you know, fighting for one. That's my biggest step so far. And all these opponents that I've been lined up with and freaking dude, high quality experienced dudes, ch- world champions, man. It's been awesome to be able to wake up in the morning and know you have that guy to fight on January 10th. And it's why wind- time's winding down. Like I can go on for days, but really that's why you do this shit is to be able to fight the best dudes. And it's awesome to get the opportunity on those two shows to do that, you know, because they're considered highest level guys. Exactly. And, you know, as you said, you were very close to uh, getting on to the, into the promotion, but for whatever reason, they took uh, Sean O'Malley, you know, I don't want to throw mud on his name. You know, he's a good fighter that I'm sure he has a skill set that they like. And, you know, uh, they had a skill set. I'm sure that you thought they liked, but then you said that you said you were able to get into one. Now, when you went to one, was Bellator also in the midst of trying to sign you because Coker's a Taekwondo guy and he loves those strikers with that background. So, um, we got word from a, a few promotions that are kind of, um, you know, reaching out and kind of seeing what's going on and, you know, touching base and, and kind of seeing where I, I wanted to go and, um, it was really cool that, um, to see that, you know, obviously for, for guys to reach out and kind of, uh, talk to me and, and see if I was interested in signing with them. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't really want to throw any names out there, but definitely a couple of promotions reached out and, you know, I decided that, um, you know, the talks with one were going really well. And I thought that that was the best fit for me as far as a promotion goes and my skill set and, uh, what they valued, at the promotion. And, uh, I thought that was, um, different, you know, not many, um, not many times while searching for a promotion that, that you want to fight for, you hear a lot about, you know, a warrior's code and, um, honor, respect and, and really treating the fighters well and, and kind of showcasing and highlighting, um, each of their fighters and really trying to tell the story behind it and really promoting martial arts and things like that, rather than like a, almost a, a professional wrestling type of, you know, event. So it's kind of cool to, uh, to see that. And then one's just been a great fit for me, man. And, and so far it's so good and no complaints. It's been awesome. Yeah. Yes. It really, it, it really seems that you found a niche there looking at your Instagram and there's like these amazing photos you have. So I hope the ones I posted when I said he's coming on my show, were good. Cause I made sure to pick the good ones. So they know who Tan Lee is and as uh, as one of one's <laughs> top contenders. You're uh the first picture you put on there was me making this terrible face at the uh, camera, I think, after my first fight. So that <laughs> I, I was like, oh, man, uh, I hope these people don't think I'm uh, an asshole or anything. But I don't know what that face was for. We were, I was talking to my family about it. I was like, man, I wonder what I was thinking at that moment. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was your fight. It was your fight uh, after versus uh, Yusuf. So like that must have been a, a pretty tough one because those uh. Dagestanis, Chechens that are from that mountainous part of Russia, they don't play around. Like they're like they live and breathe fighting like it's their religion. Man, let me tell you something. You you're you hit it right on the head of the nail, man. That them dudes are insane. They're they're work ethic, uh they eat, breathe and sleep fighting and there's some tough dudes, man. You know, you grow up in a in a situation like that where every day's a not an easy road, you know, and you kind of you can see that in the way they train, the way they compete. And it's awesome. And I love it, man. It really is like my coach, who's a second Dan in Kyokushin, uh, 
was in uh, some tournaments where some of the the fourth dance from Chechnya and Dagestan came, and uh, it's one of his goals to go train down there because it's crazy. Like the Japanese or the South Koreans will make a martial art, and then the Russians will come in, and then they just morph it into their own version, and then they start dominating in the tournaments. Was that something you've seen in Taekwondo? If there were any like Europeans that came and they have their own way of expressing the arts through their culture. Man, that was a big eye-opening thing for me too. Cause I've, I, um, I was supposed to keep compete at the U.S. open event um, that was held here in new Orleans, Louisiana. And um, it was actually the same day of my graduation. So I was going to try the high school graduation. Mm-hmm. So I try to um, compete and then go rush to my graduation and, you know, get that done. And um, I wasn't able to compete cause I had to leave. Like my, my fights didn't, uh, happened soon enough so i left and basically bailed on the tournament which was terrible experience but um being at that event and watching these guys like all guys all over europe uh taiwan uh senegal like just france i mean all of these different countries and all their their different little twists on that same game and it's really cool that's why i love martial arts in general because um a friend of mine expressed it a, a friend of mine ryan hall who has been a mentor, a great friend, a training partner, cornerman, coach, all of the above, you know, um, for me. He he likes to express it. I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to try to say it like he said. (laughs) You know, there's there's like the techniques of martial arts, which is like the science behind it, you know, the the two and the punch and the inside barambola, the outside barambola, like those are all techniques and the science of it. And each martial artist make, it's the art part of that. There's science and art. And the art part is how you express that and how you make that yours. And each of these countries, you can see, have tendencies to do it a certain way. And each fighter has tendencies to do it a certain way. So you've got, you know, uh, similar games with two different fighters, but their art, their expression of that art is, is maybe very different or maybe a little different. But they all have their own little twist on it, their own little personality. Exactly. Like some fighters might be like a, like a counter fighter where they let, they let the fighter come in to chase them. And then there's the pressure fighters where they, they apply the pressure. Like as we saw with uh, John Jones last night versus Reyes in the fourth and fifth round. Like it's not to relate, you know, MMA here to like Taekwondo, but I'm sure you've seen, as you said, the, the expression of the art. Like everyone is so different in how they own their craft. A hundred percent. And even like you, you, you're to your point, like pressure fighters and counter fighters, even your own expression of the way you counter fight and your own expression of how you pressure fight. You know, you've got your Tony Ferguson's, you've got John Jones last night, you've got, uh, you know, your Justin Gaethje's guys like that who are going to bring good pressure, but in their own little, their own little way, you know. Exactly. What was your honest opinion of the fight last night? So let's start with the co-main. You know, you got Valentina Shevchenko, a second Dan in Taekwondo. So I'm sure you have such an encyclopedic view of how she fights because she took her Taekwondo, put it into kickboxing and Muay Thai, and just how she uses her spinning back kick. What was your opinion of the way she took down Caitlin to win that fight? I thought she did a, uh, an excellent job. She's a champion for a reason. You know what I mean? She, um, to, to touch on some of the stuff that you talked about, she, she's super sharp. She does a great job at countering. She does a great job at making the other person make much bigger moves than she has to make. So she can stay there, set, ready to fire bombs, heavy, heavy, sharp shots, and not 
be out of her base at all. And she's going to make you come to her. You make the step. Now you have to step and fire. All I have to do is fire if I'm a counterfighter. So you have to cover ground and fire your weapon. All I have to do is just pull the trigger. So she does a great job of convincing you that's the way to go. Um, and then last night, obviously, uh, her opponent moved, were, was moving decently well, you know, um, trying to make her footwork uh, matter, trying to, you know, find the right angles that, that seems to have brought her success in the past. But it's, it's tough. If, if you let her sit back and you let her basically have all of her weapons cocked and you step in, you're, you're going to meet some sharp shots and some heavy shots. You're adding force by traveling forward to her. She's adding force because she's throwing the weapon at you. And now she's creating this great collision. That's, that's so nice, man. She's it's, it's actually, it's really nice to watch. It's, it's fun to watch. It's art. It's, it's art watching her. Like I even told friends after I said, listen, I said, you can love her or hate her, even though like she hasn't won in the way you want. I said for like a hardcore, like myself, I call her the female GSP. She's a constant martial artist in everything she does. She's got that traditional martial arts background, keeping an open mind, trying new styles to improve her toolbox and uh, fight game. And last night was another example of it. And I think she's going to be considered one of the greatest female fighters when it's all said and done. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's definitely on the right track for that. And she performs well. She is calm, poised, you know, she, um, she doesn't let them, the moment take over. She's, she's very, um, ready to perform. And that's, that's a hard thing for a lot of uh, competitors, you know, and um, a lot of people deal with anxiety. A lot of people deal with, you know, trying to figure out um, how to train properly to make their true self come out in fights. And that's something that I've really focused on and, and have gotten outside help from a lot of people. And that, that's big, man. And uh, I think she does a really good job of it. And yeah, she, she continues on this track. It's, it's, she's going to have a wonderful, she already has a wonderful career. It's going to be, she's definitely going to go down the record book. She has to. Um, now, what this is something I wanted to really ask you about her, the way her game is as a martial artist. She's a Taekwondo black belt, second dan, but she's able to apply Muay Thai to it. Why is it that you feel as uh, once a black belt in Thai, once a practitioner of Taekwondo gets their black belt, they go to they transition into Muay Thai right after? What is the, the correlation you feel between Taekwondo and Muay Thai? Um, so I think. Um... That's that's a loaded question, but I okay. think that um, moving into the Muay Thai direction is a very Muay Thai is very common. Mm-hmm. Um, May that's a, a very popular and sexy art, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and it, it seems like a, a good transition because um, it's so kicking oriented and everything is based around the kicks themselves. So. You know, I, I know that sounds simple and sounds uh, obvious, but th- I think that's the true answer is if all I do is kick and, and I have a very um, low fundamental usage of punching, because to be honest with you, the way we did Olympic style sparring, there's, there's very little punching involved and it's, it's all kicks, you know what I mean? Um, and as, as much as um, Taekwondo has punching and things like that in, in their kata, their forms and things like that, it's uh it's really not taught as a practical way to fight somebody and but the kicking i think is done spectacularly so that's taught well and i think the transition to muay thai is that muay thai is obviously based around the kicks and they're going to fit their hands they're going to use their hands to really 
showcase their kicks and land their heavy kicks and then their hands help them do that so it's a i think it's a middle transition from there um i kind of took an extreme step and i went from you know stayed with my taekwondo background and stuck with that and went to just purely boxing and tried to try those with my footwork so would you say you're like a taekwondo version of steven wonderboy thompson that's like the style like i i'm perceiving from you that you want to try to model yourself after which i think is pretty amazing (laughs) I was going to say I, I, that's a compliment if that's what you're saying. So yes. shout out Wonder Boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've trained with him. That dude's an amazing martial artist, man. He's uh, him. Is, he's got a great school, great family. They just opened up the new gym. So if you're out in the area, go check it out. Um, but those guys are all, yeah, Wonder Boy's an amazing fighter, man. And he's done a really good job at mixing his long, safe attack style kicking from the outside and blitzing in, using his hands to really finish guys off and to, to really, like, uh, showcase those kicks. Yeah, I mean, like, the fight versus Vicente Luque that was this past November. I was watching that for my uh, birthday with uh, my close circle uh, of, like, fight friends. And the way he just took down Luque, like, you could tell there's levels to this game. Like, Luque thought he could use the kickboxing, but then Steven was able to utilize, as you said, those kicks that – blitz in blitz out to confuse him and really do some damage and when he the way he just dominated like it doesn't make sense that he's in not the top 10 this is a legitimate top three fighter and i and he's one of my favorite to watch and just by that performance alone he should be a consistent top three contender regardless yeah i agree with that 100 percent. he does such a great job of controlling the the distance and space between you and him and then when he decides that he wants to be close for his blitzing punches or his counterattacks or whatever. He's, he's there in a freaking flash, man. He's a long dude and he covers a lot of ground, but he does it so efficiently. So he's, yes, he's a fast guy. Like we can see, obviously he's a fast dude, but he's there so soon. He's there so abruptly. He's there because he's cutting out all these extra motions and it's uh, it shows in his striking it shows in his approach to martial arts and the way his dad teaches and you know those guys over there they do it the right way you know yeah i've had i've had shout out to upstate karate their new gym uh in simpsonville south carolina if anyone's ever there or wants to try something new i recommend it uh i've I've have spoken with the master ray thompson actually uh tan and he's at and he's actually it's actually being worked on that he's going to come on with uh, Steven or with like his other, with both of his sons. You know, as I said, I'm very flexible with how I want this done, but it's going to be a huge honor. Should that, when it happens, I shouldn't say should it's going to happen, but uh, it's what a small world that, you know, him, you trained with them. What was that experience like? Oh, the, uh, the environment itself reminds me of my traditional, you know, Taekwondo background, very family oriented very uh sharp instruction very on point instruction mm-hmm. um and it's it's well thought out i mean the 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 guys over there the talent the training partners everything over there is a, such a great environment so i i also recommend you guys go check it out it's it's a they opened up a new facility it looks freaking awesome oh man, it's but, beautiful um, like i was talking with my coach about it and like because my coach and I eventually we want to like have something like ourselves, like when I'm a black belt and he's like, man, he's going to be whatever. Sorry to interrupt you, but like we want that like style of gym, man. It's just beautiful. It is. It is. It's like appealing to the eye and it's a ton of space and it's functional. So it makes a ton of sense, you know. Exactly. Well, that's like the model, the perfect model gym. Very spacious, too. It's not tight and you know, claustrophobic. So, yep. 
Um, what do you hope, Tan? I want to ask you, what do you hope other fighters can learn from your experience when choosing to sign uh, with a promotion? You know, let's say one door closes and another opens like you had with one. What do you want to tell like an amateur fighter or a current like semi-pro or pro that wants to get to that next step, but they feel they're plateauing? Um, I've, I, I got some advice um, that really struck a chord with me. It really, really you know, really stuck with me. And it, it's, I think it's really important um, that I, you can't put it, you can't make the, the promotion, your, your goal. You can't make the outcome of things that you can't control your goal. What you can control is how hard you work, what you do on a daily basis, who you surround yourself with, um, you know, the connections and the friends that you make through this, this beautiful thing that's martial arts. Um, and you really continue to chase your passion for the re for the right reasons, in my opinion, because you love it, because you're you're you find yourself wanting to get better every day, because it makes you a better person, because it makes you a better father, husband, whatever. Um, those things like martial arts carries over so far and covers such a wide spectrum that I think it's uh, it's really important to not make something like fighting for a certain promotion or winning some certain belt like everything in your life is it important does it drive you every day to be a champion and to be the best in the world yes that is my ultimate goal is to be the best in the world but that doesn't mean i need this piece of gold around my waist to to prove to myself that i'm the best in the world that is something that i get from testing myself against the best dudes i get from training every day improving and my, writing down and tracking all the improvements that I'm making over time. And, and it's, it's really hard to put uh, your happiness on a, on a single goal that may or may not be in your control. So let's say for whatever reason, my, I don't know, my ultimate goal was to be um, a UFC uh, heavyweight champion, right? And for whatever reason, I just can't seem to get into that promotion because of, uh, I don't know, bad management or, uh, no management or um, I had one opportunity and I happened to lose the fight or I was injured or I had a bad fight week or whatever that is. Don't let those little things, things that you can't control, control your outlook on life and your outlook on, on your passion. That's, that's important. You're, if you're doing it for the right reasons, I don't think that um, those goals and those things are have to, to, to dictate whether you're happy or not and to dictate whether you're you're achieving your goal in life you know what i mean i know i'm all over the place with this rant but i think it's uh, really important that i you know i touch on some of those things because that's really important and that, honestly i i'm like uh, i'm in a situation now where i've i've won a, a three three fights against some top top competitors in the division and who knows maybe they'll give me the the title shot in my next fight uh in my opinion they should of course, I'm the one trying to get the title shot, so I would say that. But, um, you know, maybe they give it to me three fights from now. But I, I no longer let those things dictate whether I'm happy, whether um, I approach training the right way, whether I'm having a conversation with my wife the same way. You know, if I'm, I'm the, the way I'm treating my son or my dog, like I don't let that affect my happiness. I control what I can control, continue to do what I can do. And then, you know, if the positive things – you continue to do those things and the positive – uh, everything's going to move in a positive direction, you know? Exactly. You, it's like, it's like, it, you can't let the circumstances dictate your environment. You just got to 
see it for what it is and whatever you control that's all you can do really and now you've now you've taught now you've taught a lot of taekwondo and you said like it's about the students you teach what have you ever like taught like what was one student in particular you don't have to give names or a group of students that was so rewarding that you saw them turn a 180 because of the value of martial arts let me tell you something i have a um uh, um a training partner that that i've um helped develop uh i think a good bit of his skills and his training throughout his fight career and um you know i think martial arts in general i do not credit for this myself at all but martial arts in general art of of fighting learning making yourself better every day learning how to be disciplined and work hard and things like that just change you as a person if you really buy it you know there's stories about this person as a kid you know, sports you know what would typically be considered a bad attitude you know something not going his way shutting down you know being the angry kid walking off the field throwing his pads down because football practice is so great things like that you know and and i think through conversation through kind of uh what you would call instant gratification you know through day that like seeing that perseverance and hard work really affect you as as a, an athlete and as a human and really you, you know it, it, if you do things the right way that and you have the right attitude, you're not letting those really affect you, bring your training down and bring your, uh, you know, your fight week down and things like that. But this person made a complete 180, you know, no longer is that pouty kid, no longer is letting those, um, those little hiccups in training affect the rest of his day or little hiccups in fight week affect his performance on fight day, things like that. Like that's, I think that's huge as uh, and that speaks to martial arts. It doesn't really speak to my teaching. It, it's just martial arts in general is like such a great tool to develop men and women into adults. You know what I mean? It teaches you concepts and, and things that carry over throughout life with kids and family and work and all these things. And I think it's so awesome that he, you know, he's a product of that and it just happens to show, how cool martial arts is, man. I mean, it's just so awesome that punching people in the face can really change somebody's life like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. No, definitely. Like, I mean, I've seen 180s too where, you know, you hear about like former like addicts, like it's like whether with whatever drugs, alcohol or gambling and they find, they stumble into a martial arts gym and it just changes them with the habits they form and, you know, the thought patterns, how it changes. It really is medicinal. And, you know, I don't think it gets enough credit. Um, and that's why, like, I think doctors more should prescribe subscriptions to martial arts gyms of various styles to cater to the person's personality than say, hey, go to the pharmacy counter and pick up some pain meds or whatever to, like, fix your brain. It doesn't need that. It needs community and a style of martial art that goes with that personality, I feel. Yeah, I mean, the medicine's there to – no, I'm, I'm no doctor. Or Me neither. The medicine's there to, to fix types of chemical imbalances, right? But those, your body releases those things that, those endorphins or whatever they are during training and during accomplishing small goals and big goals. That's, that's the medicine. It's doing the same thing. It's releasing the same hormones and uh, all these things that you get from positivity and, and accomplishing goals. But you're doing it the natural way, the right way, in my opinion, instead of that quick fix way of, hey, go take this pill. 
Exactly. Very, very true. Um, so now, you know, uh, UFC 247 was last night. We touched upon the co-main where we, you broke down Valentina's win beautifully. What was your opinion of the main event? Because it's really split. You have everyone saying that Jones won. You have people saying Reyes should have won. And then you have people saying, like, it's a draw or, you know, the judges were terrible. So I did hear throughout the night, I didn't uh, get to watch some of the early fights, um, but I did hear that they were having some issues with judges paying attention to the fights. Um, I heard a little snippet on Twitter about Joe Rogan and Dominic Cruz looking at a, a judge staring at the floor over a period of time when different interactions are going on throughout the fight and they look back at the judge, he's still not looking at the fight. That's insane to me. Um, but I guess that's kind of how, uh, the night went. <laughs> I know there were some uh, controversial uh, decisions and things like that. But uh, as far as the John Jones fight, man, first of all, I am not envious of the judges, man. That's a hard, hard fight to call, dude. Um, that's that's rough. Like I, I'm kind of speechless on that point. Like I, I could have, definitely could have seen it going either way. I wouldn't have been mad at either decision, to be honest with you. Um, I think it boiled down, if I'm not mistaken, to the third round. Um, it seemed like Reyes had the first two. It seemed like Jones had the last two. And then it kind of boiled down to that third round. And in watching uh, the round again, I have an issue with watching fights, to be honest with you. So uh, let me give you this little background story. Is, uh, well, it's not much of a story, but um, like when I, I go to watch fights and I have a predetermined thing, just like everybody, about what I expect to see, right? I, I think John Jones is one of the greatest of all time, uh, dominant, dominant champion. And I think, you know, he's just, he's just almost unstoppable. Um, and he's proven to be so, so far. We're pretty close to it. And, um, you know, when I think that and then I see Reyes even land one punch, I'm like, oh, he's doing pretty good. Oh, shit. He might be doing really well. He might beat John Jones, and now I start to lean in the favor of Reyes because, not because I think he's winning the fight, as far as like from zero, I think he's doing better than I expected. So that automatically means he might be winning. I don't know if that affects other people the same way it affects me, but for whatever reason, I get this predetermined thing. Like, um, let's say Adesanya and um, Gastelum fight. Um, for that one, for whatever reason, I, I saw Gastelum lean in and maybe. It was almost in my eyes. I thought it was a punch, and he punched out of Sonya a couple times. And like, was it a stumble? Man, he's he's doing way better than I thought he was going to do. I thought Sonya was going to pretty much walk through this guy, and it it's not quite how I had it played out in my head. And then, man, that was a really close fight. But you go back and watch it again with no sound and just no commentating and just watching the fight itself. And it Adesanya put on a clinic. He did a great job of of beating Gastelum in that fight, and uh, I think it that just proves that my opinion is swayed. So I have a really hard time like taking a step back. I have to watch fights like two and three times over to really get a, an accurate uh, like description or accurate, accurate picture in my head. But man, I am not jealous of those judges. I know that's, that's a, that's a hard job, man. <laughs> uh, it's like the, like the fighters, like the, the line of the fighters basically not the live, but like basically the fight, like the livelihood of that fighter with their money and, you know, like their ranking, like all the intangibles are on the, you're putting this to paper, like what that 
outcome is going to be. So it's probably pretty hard, like especially if you know the sport well. You know, it's 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 not easy. And now they're calling for judge reform because of this. You know, they were they were like bashing Houston for how they've had issues in the past with their commission. So it's pretty crazy to see what's going on right now. Yeah, I um I saw a tweet that Holloway tweeted that actually made a, a decent amount of sense. Like sports the only sport that doesn't have um like instant score scorekeeping right like uh he said what if uh, tan are you yep, there can you hear me can you hear me is that better uh, hello are you there hello Can you hear me? Hey, Tan. Yeah, sorry about that. So we'll have to edit uh, the first part out. Um, for that, the judges, we agree. You know, they have the fighters' livelihoods on the line there. Absolutely, and that that's that's a tough one, man. Because you're uh, you've did uh did we? I apologize. Did we um talk about the Holloway tweet yet? No, uh, you have to. I think it might have been cut out in that first part. And as I said, I'm going to edit that out. It's the problem with free technology for podcasting, and I'm still new to this game. But still, the episode has been going great either way. So let's look at the positives. But what was the Holloway tweet that Max uh, released? So what I was um, referring to is I saw a tweet that he said, um, you know, our sport's the only sport that doesn't have, um, you know, up-to-date or instant scorekeeping, you know. And I think um, he mentioned something about, you know, he's not he's not bitching. He's not trying to uh, throw anybody under the bus. But what if we did, you know, what would what would be the downside of showing round by round scoring from the judges, like having them submit their scores? And I I didn't think that was too bad of an idea because, you know, not that uh, I I think there it is a flawed system. It's very hard to make that a perfect system. But I think there's a few things that we can do. You know, I'm, I'd love to hear ideas from from fighters and from promotions and things like that, but and commissions, obviously. But it's uh, that was kind of a cool idea I heard from him, and I, I didn't think that was too bad. You know, it's innovative, and I even think he said he's willing to do like a podcast with uh, Cruz and Rogan just so they could have like a two hour discussion about it. That would be really good to to hear their brains because Dom is such a savant well not a savant but he's like a phd professor and just fighting in general max is arguably one of the best featherweights of all time and you have joe who's like you know his credentials speak for himself yeah he's been around the game for a really long time those are some great minds you know what i mean they um they do obviously a great job of commentating but um you know they've been around the game for a really long time so they they've been on both sides of it they're on the commentating side they're analyzing side the coaching side the uh gym owner side and the competitor side you know so you kind of got all bases covered with those guys and it'd be really cool to kind of get some of the um i guess the the commission side of it involved some some of the judges so they can kind of give you their experiences and and kind of give you their perspective on things but kind of see it in as a whole picture and and i don't know trying to come together and figuring out a way to to make that that system a little uh a little better more modern more reform so that way we have an idea of what's really going on compared to what we see and what the judges score and see right right exactly i think that's a big one 
Well, so what do you see five years after fighting with the legacy you're building? Man, I, um, I, I, I really see myself as a, a coach and a gym owner and, and having a, and pretty much I, I want to have the, the only go-to spot for anything related to fitness and athletics in, um, in Louisiana. And I think I can do that here in new Orleans. Um, and then, you know, I'm working towards that slowly, but surely. And, um, you know, all, everything I do now in fighting is, is related to that goal. Um, obviously being the best fighter in the world is number one. And then all the byproducts of trying to reach that goal, money, uh, the, the, I, I guess you call the, the attention or, or, or the namesake of, of fighting and, and doing well, uh, can, can help that other retirement goal, that goal that's going to, you know, that's going to sustain that income for, for generations to come and for my son and all that good stuff and future kids and all that, you know? Um, so I, th I think that's definitely the road that I'm heading down, but you know, if, uh, somebody wants to throw me in a movie or something and give me a couple million dollars. I'm cool with that too. Exactly. And then use it obviously to projects to create that generational wealth. That's a smart way to look at it. And you have to, the fighters have only a small amount of window time, pending on the potential that they utilize on. And you're, I really feel it's really smart what you just said there, because a lot of fighters come into this game. I had it. I was. It was on an episode I spoke about yesterday. You really have to think of your your long term health and uh, wealth in terms of this because this doesn't last forever. One hundred percent. This is, you know, fighting is is only in a certain window, and um, you know, some windows can last just a hair longer. But really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a long window at all. No matter if you have the longest career in fighting history, it's still a small window in your life. You know what I mean? So you have to be able to to have use this for something into the future. Like use what your platform now to build all those secondary and tertiary streams of income. So you can take care of your family and take care of yourself and, you know, and, and make sure everybody's, you do this for that reason to make sure that your family and everything is taken care of. And that that's, that's the goal, man. That's why I do this is to, to make sure everybody's taken care of. I want to make sure my dad can, you know, retire happily and just teach at my gym. And uh, my mom doesn't have to worry about anything. And if she wants to come in and manage some of the office at, at the gym, awesome. And if my wife wants to continue nursing, awesome. If she doesn't, cool. She can, you know, quit when she wants and pick nursing back up whenever she feels if she wanted to come to the gym and do stuff. Like, I think that's important to have those options. That's amazing. So your dad owned the gym when he came here because of the extent and he had extensive extensive background it was, we said in the beginning of you know being in uh south vietnam training the army uh what was uh what did he do when he immigrated here in uh, the 70s when the influx of uh, vietnam vietnamese immigrants came in to escape the merger of uh the of vietnam after the outcome of the vietnam war um you know he he definitely took uh he worked his way up. Like, let's, let's say that he was, uh, started out, I think as a bus boy, um, at a, at a hotel restaurant where he ended up, uh, meeting my mother. Then he, um, moved in, you know, ended up doing some woodworking or, or carpentry work or so, something like that in a, in a wood factory. Uh, then he moved to where we moved to Louisiana when I was five, where he ended up, um, uh, 
becoming a pipe fitter and being in, you know, working in the refineries and things like that. And he's been doing that ever since. And just long days outside in the cold weather, the heat, uh, in a dangerous environment day in and day out for years and years and years. And, um, all while teaching and owning a, a martial arts school at night, which is, that's where I learned how to, to be disciplined and work hard from that man right there. Like it's, it's, the things that he's done throughout his life, you know, it, it, I see it every day. There, there is no lesson to be taught. He didn't have to tell me to work hard. He didn't have to uh, tell me that there's enough time in a day to make sure that you can go and do what you want to do and do what you love to do because he did it. And I saw it every day. And it was really, really inspiring. And, and you know, he's definitely my Superman. And uh, just like every kid's dad, I'm sure, you know, but it's uh it's cool to see that in action and that's where I get it all from. Like I, I pride myself on my work ethic. I pride myself on my discipline. I, I pride myself on making sure I do what exactly needs to be done and do it to my to the best of my ability every day. And you don't get to relax. You don't get to be lazy. You're, it's just not allowed. And I learned that all from him. Well, I really hope that uh, I really hope from hearing that, you know, when people listen to the episode and I'm going to make sure that I promote the hell out of this, you know, on Instagram, that's the platform I use. And if you can want to promote it too with your students, by all means, you know, because there might be that one person that needs to hear what you just said, not in this segment, but even other parts of the episode, because a certain rut and, you know, this can help them get out of that and put everything into perspective and you know the other thing too i'd say is like based on your dad you know your dad is you just said what the example he is you know i think of like a, a david goggins like guy you know had stuff but then he had to start from the bottom and worked his way back up 100 percent. and uh, you know if if anything i say could ever get somebody out of a rut or could ever uh help somebody in their life man i i i want to touch as as many people as possible in that way and uh you know i don't i don't really like do the whole instagram influencers type thing and you know i don't put out uh quotes and this and that you know and try to inspire people because i want you to like my picture and comment on my picture but i uh you know if anything i can anything that i say is is usually going to be true and straight from the heart so hopefully, uh, and, and to the best of my knowledge at the time. So anything I say, I, I hope it can and reach somebody and help somebody in any way, man. Exactly. That's what's most important. Like you want to live in an abundance mentality, not a scarcity mentality. That's something I've really learned, uh, as I get, as I get, as like, as I mature and, you know, turn more into, uh, the man that I aim to become. And, you know, we're all, we, like, there's enough pie to go around for everybody. You know, when you, when you, when you're happy for people succeeding, whether it's you winning the championship in one FC or building that gym. So, you know, your dad can retire comfortably and you can take care of your family or another friend who just, you know, I love I love seeing people succeed, Tan. And you know, even if I meet them one time, like I always try to find commonalities with them. And that's why I do this podcast now. It's not just about me trying to talk about MMA. It's about really seeing how martial arts can impact a person's life. That's awesome, man. That's um that's really what's gonna I think ultimately gonna make you successful. You're doing it for the right reasons. And I think that carries that's a lesson that can be carried over to any aspect of life, really uh raising kids to doing a job to doing martial arts to doing podcasts to you know anything and it, i think that's big and that's huge and people people need to hear that 
Thank you. I really, I'm really, uh, I really appreciate the, the compliment there. And, you know, I'm going to keep plugging away and trying to improve to make this show what I know it can become. You know, the, there's no limit, limitless. And, you know, this is the last part of the show, you know, because I know you're on a tight schedule uh, and with, the, with all that's going on. I'd like to ask this to my, new, to my guests now that I have. So the first one is I'm going to name a fighter. Describe that fighter in one word. Okay. Are you ready? All right. So the game is I'm going to say a fighter from past or present. And you have to think of one word that describes that fighter. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Are you ready? All right. Here it is. Robbie Lawler. Split lip. Because <laughs> <laughs> of uh, how much of a ruthless brawler he is, oh, right? From that yeah. Rory McDonald yes. fight. Uh, such a great fight, man. Oh, my gosh. That's the fight that got me into MMA, actually. He's such a savage. And both of those guys are awesome, awesome, talented fighters. And to have them do that fight at that time and, and just to see those guys just stop and have that moment and stare at each other at the end, that was awesome, man. Yes, I agree. Oh, man, I like the way we're thinking here because I'll never forget that when they just stare at each other and Robbie with that split lip just spits out all that blood. It's the most yes. primal what fight. <laughs> yes. That's why. Okay, and the next one is you're Dana White, Scott Coker, Chaudhry. You're all of them now, and you have the chance to make the ultimate pay-per-view to headline a fight night or international fight week, let's just say. Who would you have on your main event it could, to make the ultimate fight fans dream fight? Oh, man, that's hard. Oh, good Lord. I mean, take a second. Let me think of this one. It's Let's... okay. No rush. Let's see. I don't know, man. That's a hard one. I'm a, I want to, I want to pull out, uh, Fedor, I want to pull out. Okay, I'll, I I think that's a something that's worldwide, something that brings some nostalgia into the game. You know what I mean? Uh, and and he's so skilled, and he has his little games that he plays that are that are awesome. One of my one of my favorites. Um, let's do Fedor, and God, let's bring John Jones back after last night. I like that idea. Let's really see how prime pride Fedor looks. Versus John Jones with the fight IQs they right. have. Those fight IQs, those game plans, those coaches, old Fedor, you know, John Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Let's... I'm on board with it. I like it. So, Tan, um, if people ever want to connect with you in terms of, like, you know, if they want to uh, learn, like, if you're in or Virginia area, because I know you travel back and forth uh, with, because of Ryan Hall. Where can they connect with you if, on social platforms if they want to, like, you know, uh, learn something and, you know, we can help – if I can help build what you're doing up so that way you become more known and then, you know, like, you know, you get that title shot and you can use uh, the winning the winning uh, for good for, – with, for, with a good impact and good intentions. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I'm basically timely MMA on everything, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, that's my athlete page. Um, 
at tonleymma.com is uh, actually, I think, right back up. They had some construction on it, but uh, that's back up also, and that's going to bring you to my gyms page. If you're ever in the area, stop on by, jump into classes, um, sign up, all that good stuff. But I'm pretty much MMA on every social media uh, handle I have. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, Tan, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to make sure to promote the hell out of this episode. Uh, and as I said, if uh, you do it too short to your follow friends, because any, anyone can, can uh, gain something from this. And that's what I'm hoping this podcast can awesome, do. man. Thanks so much for having me on you. Uh, this is my first podcast and it was fucking awesome, man. Thank you. No problem. Let's do it again. If you, whenever for you're sure, down, man, I'm down. You let me know. Sounds good, Tan. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. No problem. Bye.